Hey, welcome. We're in Quantum Christianity. I'm David Harabedian, my wife, Joanna, Virtual Church Media. We're continuing a series on the prophetic, how to recognize the real prophetic, how to recognize the not real prophetic, and uh, hearing God's voice and so many other things. If you'd like to know more, go to virtualchurchmedia.com. Tonight, very excited about a message, and it's timely. And I'm asking the Lord for grace to share this. This is not a milk message. It's entitled, Are You Marked? Are you marked? You know, we talk about the mark of the beast, but the Lord has a mark for you that will preserve you, will protect you, will encapsulate you, will cause you to have that Psalms 91 protection where though a thousand fall by your side and 10,000 fall by your right hand, it will not come near you. You will only see with your eyes and behold the destruction of the wicked. You will not fear the arrow that flieth by day nor the terror that cometh by night. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. The blood of the lamb will be on the doorpost and the lintels of your house. Doorpost and the lintels. God wants to protect you and keep you. The key is we have to be in him. For in him we live and move and have our very being. Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you in Christ reveals his glory. So tonight, I want to share with you about a teaching or a subject matter that will help prepare you to go through anything that comes. We're living, I, I, I would consider these troubling times, to say the least. And if they're not troubling in some way to you, either you're oblivious to what's taking place, possibly, or you're already in such a great place with the Lord that you're not even recognizing it because you're just releasing his glory and you've got that peace. But tonight I just want to talk with you. So Revelation chapter 9, we often hear about the mark of the beast, but I want to talk about the mark of the Lord. It was commanded, Revelation 9 verse 4, this is the King James Version, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree but only on those men which have not the seal of God or the mark of God in their foreheads. So during the tribulation, there's going to be a time when judgments are falling, plagues are coming, and the only people that are going to be harmed are those that don't have the mark of the Lord or the seal of the Lord. If you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 9, we're going to read from the New International Version, Ezekiel chapter 9. This is actually the full text, which is verse 1 through 11. We're going to focus in on the first six verses of Ezekiel chapter 9, Old Testament, one of the prophets, major prophets in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 9 says this, Then I heard him call out in a loud voice, Bring the guards of the city here, each with a weapon in his hand. This is a heavy message. I'm just sharing with you in advance. Get ready, put your armor on from the Lord, and ask the Lord to enable you to hear and to receive what he's speaking in this hour. And you can discard anything that's not from the Lord. If you're really on fire for the Lord, you're going to love this message. If you're not fully on fire for the Lord, I pray I'd encourage you to get more and more filled with the fire of God. If you're lukewarm, I pray it provokes you to want the fire of God. Of God. If you're cold, I pray that it's an invitation for you to get filled with the fire. And as we read, we're going to find there's a reason we need to get in the fire of God because fires are coming in one form or another. Fires purify you, they refine you, 
They can also burn you. But the good news is God is going to burn out anything that's contrary to the nature of his son in you because he loves you just the way you are. But he loves you way too much to leave you or me in our current condition. Ezekiel chapter 9. Then I heard, you know, God call out in a loud voice, bring the guards of the city here, each with a weapon in his hand. And I saw six men coming from the direction of the upper gate. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1 through 11. And I saw six men, six, remember that number six, coming from the direction of the upper gate, which faces the north, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. King James calls it a slaughtering weapon in his hand. With them, with the six, was a man clothed in linen who had the writing kit at his side. King James Version calls it an inkhorn at his side. They came in and stood beside the bronze altar. So they're in the temple of God. They're in the house of God. And they're called to come in with slaughtering weapons or destroying weapons in their hand. Now the glory of God of Israel went up from above the cherubim, the angels, where it had been, and moved to the threshold of the temple. So God is speaking. It's in the temple. It's in the house of God. The glory of God is present. Then the Lord called to the man clothed in linen, who had the writing kit at his side and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament or sigh and cry over the detestable things that are done in this city or the abominations that are done in this city, King James Version. As I listened, he said to the others, Follow him through the city. This is where it's really tough. Not my words, just, you know, the vision. As I listened, he said to the others, the other six, Follow him through the city and kill without showing pity or compassion. Slaughter old men, young men, and maidens, women, and children. But do not touch anyone who has the mark. Are you marked? Do you want to be marked? Do you want to be marked for protection? Do you want to be marked for preservation? Do you want to be marked to where you can be like Jesus? You walk through the midst of them when they try to throw you off a cliff, but they can't touch you. Do you want that kind of divine protection on your life where you just aren't moved by what you see because you know you can't be taken out because you have an assignment and a destiny in the earth to fulfill and you're marked by the Lord. You know, even Cain and Abel, when Cain slew Abel, God put a mark on Cain and nobody could touch him, couldn't, couldn't kill him. And it's interesting. He had committed a sin and he ended up marked, but he was banished to the land of Nod, which means wandering, and he was alone. Here we've got a mark that preserves you from the Lord. It's interesting, verse 6, so they began with the elders who were in front of the temple. Who gets taken out first in the house of God? Are those that are the leaders that are not marked? How could a leader that should be preaching the word of God and in love with God not be marked. The Bible says this, here's the requirement to receiving the mark of the Lord. Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament or sigh and cry over the detestable or the abominations that are done in the city. Have you cried out to the Lord for the abominations that are done in your city? Are you crying out for the things that are contrary to the word of God that are clearly outlined in scripture? for the unborn, for those that are in relationships that are not biblical, that are being celebrated right now? Have you cried out? Or you said, ah, well, it's okay. You know, everybody gets their choice. You know, what will be, will be. Que sera. Don't miss 
the mark. You know what the word sin means? It means to miss the mark. Interesting, isn't it? So if you shoot a basketball at a basketball hoop and you miss, it's a miss the mark. It's like a sin. If you take a tennis ball and you serve it and it misses the box, it goes outside, it's a fault, it misses the mark. If you take a long barrel gun and you shoot at a target and you miss the bullseye, you've sinned, you missed the mark. If you take an arrow and you shoot it at the target and it misses, you've sinned, you missed the mark. Don't miss the mark or the opportunity to be marked by the Lord because times are coming when you need to be under the protection, the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, where you will say of the Lord, He is my rock and my salvation. In Him I will trust when I call upon the Lord. He will answer me and show me great and mighty things that thou knowest not. When you're close with the Lord and you call, He answers quickly because of proximity. Proximity. God wants us in proximity with Him. And if we draw near to the Lord, He will draw near to us. It's His promise. So, this is interesting. So they began with the elders who were in front of the temple. Then he said to them, verse 7, Defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go. They went out and began killing throughout the city. While they were yet killing, I was left alone. I fell face down crying, Ah, sovereign Lord, are you going to destroy the entire remnant of Israel in this outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? He said to me, verse 9, The sin of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. They sinned, they missed the mark, and they missed getting the mark. Interesting play on words or parody, but don't miss the mark. Get the mark. Get marked of the Lord, and you'll not take the mark of the beast. Somebody said to me, what's the mark of the beast? You know, is this the mark? Is that the mark? I said, I'm not really sure what the mark is, but it's on the forehead and it's on the wrist or the hand. The forehead is our thinking patterns, what's in our mind and the way we deal with things. How have you been thinking? Has your mind been transformed by the Word of God? Or do you still have some maybe stinking thinking? God wants to do a checkup from the neck up. I can tell you what you're thinking in your heart by what comes out of your mouth. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. A checkup from the neck up. Jesus could recognize people's faith level based upon what came out of their mouth. The centurion said, you know, my, my, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I'll come. He says, oh, you don't have to come. He says, I'm a man under authority and I recognize authority. I tell people that are under my authority, go and they go and I tell them to come and they come. You don't have to go to heal my servant. This is a Gentile. This isn't even a Jew. He says, just merely speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, never have I seen such a great faith in all of Israel. So a Gentile had more faith than most Jews. Why? Because he recognized authority. He recognized the principles of authority and the kingdom. And Jesus recognized he had faith, not by what he did, but by what he said out of his mouth in that situation. There was a woman who had a blood issue for many years, and she says, if I can just get close enough to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Based upon what she said out of her mouth, our, our tongues are faith meters. Just like a barometer has liquid in it and as it goes up, you can tell the barometric pressure or the temperature in the room. Based upon it, your tongue will dictate whether you have 
faith. You know, I was years ago, uh, I was uh, getting ready to preach in a church. I was in San Diego, and I had arrived late at night, and planes were delayed, and I was tired. And I got in about one in the morning. I was staying with some friends, and they put me down in the basement area. And I went up to the restroom in the middle of the night. It was about 4.30, and as I'm coming back down um, to step into the final step, there was a supernatural encounter that I had. It wasn't with an angel. It was with uh, you know a negative force enemy, and it literally a demon tripped me, and I, I broke my foot just that quick. And I was on the ground, and I was you know I went after the healing immediately, and my lip you know started to sweat, and you know which is normally indicative if you've broken a bone. And so uh, my my friend and her husband. Uh, she heard me violently warfaring in tongues. You know, I've got my, my foot and I'm like, and I'm commanding the bones to fuse. You know, I've seen God do so many miraculous things, but sometimes the most difficult miracle to get is your own. Especially when you have real pain in your body and you have to contend. It's easy to walk in and pray for somebody else because you're not going through it. Plus the gift of faith comes on you. And when the gift of faith comes on you, the logical, the impossible looks logical. So when the gift of faith comes, you just like, oh, that's not a problem. You just, it looks logical suddenly because the gifts cause you to see it differently. Then if you watch it like on video, like a couple of days later, it comes up, you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You're like, well, that was you. Well, and that was really Christ in you, the hope of glory, not you. So when the gift of faith comes, the impossible suddenly looks logical and that's the gift of faith that's different than faith for salvation or faith you know to believe you know for this or that the gift of faith comes from miracles when daniel went to sleep in the lion's den that was a gift of faith the impossible looked logical when this the hebrew boys go into the fiery furnace they, our god is well able to deliver us i mean that's not logical they heated it up seven times fat, hotter and the people that threw him into the furnace were killed it was so hot yet they didn't get touched with the smell of smoke. So I did not have the gift of faith on me. At the time, I'm praying for my foot and the bones to be fused back into place. So I've got to preach a healing service that, that night. It's 4.30 in the morning. I've got a broken foot. Not a fun time. Not a good day at the office. And so my friend, she comes down. Her name's Corin, And uh, she comes down in like her bathroom because she hears warfare. She hears something going on. And she's head of the healing room at the John G. Lake Healing Rooms in, 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 in San Diego. So I'm like, oh, great. Corn's coming down. Somebody's going to contend with me in faith so we can get this infused by the Lord. Don't need to go to the hospital. Then we can have a healing service. God's going to give a great testimony. And uh, she comes down. She's, what's going on? I said, well, I think I, I broke my foot. I just you know, need to pray and contend. And she says, oh, hold on. So she turns on the lights. And as she turns on the lights, my foot is swollen. Uh, it looks like Christmas colors. It's purple, it's blue, it's black already, it's swollen up. And you can see the bones are like kind of sticking up through, you know, underneath the skin, right? So it's not a, it's a, it's a problem. And so she says these words. And remember, faith, your tongue, your faith meter. She says, oh my God, we've got to get you to the hospital. Now that's not what I'm looking for in agreement in that moment, right? <laughs> And so I said, no, we're going to contend. And so she's like, okay. So I said, go ahead and pray. So I get up on the foot 
And so I kind of have a thing like if I damage something and I pray and I command the healing to happen, I get up and do something as if I was healed. And, you know, people think that's crazy, but that's really the gift of faith that presses through and gets your miracle. I, this might be an extreme message. I don't know. It's just like normal to me. But, you know, I'm hopefully provoke you. So these are real stories. And, and so um, and I have history with God in that area. So this wasn't the first time I had a problem. It's just the first time it was like, you know, broken. And so uh, she's, she's praying and I'm like, okay, okay. So I get up now because I've broken the foot and my lip is sweating, I, I faint. Now I don't fall out under the power from the Lord. I literally faint. And while I'm fainting, I'm realizing I'm going down and I turn. And the next thing I know, I wake up on the stairs. I don't realize now I've got a bumped chin. <laughs> so I've doubled my problem at this point but i get up and now i'm mad i'm like that's it get away i'm gonna so i start jumping on the broken foot right because i'm like trying to bring the anointing in by faith this is kind of extreme okay but we're living in extreme times you're going to need food to be multiplied you're going to need creative miracles you're not going to be able to maybe run to the doctors so you're going to need to have jesus as your doctor are you marked okay so here's what happens i'm jumping on it and she tells me later, she says, you had this like fierce lion of the tribe of Judah look in your eyes, but there's no anointing. I'm doing it on raw faith and I have history with God. The same God that delivered David out of the paw of the bear and out of the paw of the lion will deliver him out of the hand of the uncircumcised Philistine, this giant today. Goliath, I will cut off your head and I will feed your body to the carcass. Why would David say that? Because he had history with God with the lion and the bear. He says, this is no match for my God. And what was impossible to all of Israel with this giant of fear that had them bound for 40 days, David's like, this is nothing. Because the impossible looked logical to him. God wants to bring you to a place where the impossible looks logical. My friend, Tony, he would go into the Dominican Republic, he'd go into Cuba, and when he was in Cuba, he would see food multiplied and they would bring the food out. You know, they'd have to buy with coupons and, you know, you'd have to have vouchers. It didn't matter how much money you had. If you didn't have the voucher and the money, you couldn't buy. Things are coming to our nation right now where they don't want you to buy or trade or sell unless you accept like a type of mark. Are you marked for greatness? Are you marked with the anointing? Are you marked with God? For angelic provision and the supernatural god wants to mark you for greatness he wants to mark you for signs and wonders he wants to mark you for protection and preservation he wants to mark you so that you can be his vessel of honor fit for the master's use prepared unto every good work where you carry the love of god the power of god the fire of god the provision of god into the earth Psalms 103.7 says, God made his ways known unto his servant Moses. He made his acts known unto the children of Israel. The children of Israel knew the acts of God, the, the signs, the wonders, the water from the rock, the manna from the sky. God parted the Red Sea. They had fiery serpents. God put up a, had Moses put up a, a, a serpent made of a bronze, a bronze serpent, and all that looked upon the serpent were healed from the snake bites, even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and all that looked upon him were healed. Jesus will be lifted up on the cross and all that look upon him will be healed, a type or a shadow. Are you marked? Do you want to be marked? Because everybody can be marked by the Lord. You 
qualify when you are willing to cry out to God on your face between the porch and the altar for the abominations that are done in your city. I won't get into the things that are taking place in the earth. I don't want this teaching to be dated or tied to a relevant issue. You already know the Holy Spirit sharing with you what's relevant right now. Have you taken a stand and cried out unto the Lord? Or have you just shared on social media your position and thought that that was intercession or evangelism? God's calling you to get into the secret place. So, then the man in the linen and the writing kit by his side brought back word saying, I have done as you commanded. And that work was done. So here's Joel chapter 2. You ready? Because scripture interprets scripture. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Right? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So we have to have understanding of the old to give us understanding of the new. In fact, it wasn't until 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea they started to put things together and we actually started to have a canon of scripture. Prior to that, they used the Old Testament. There's over 1,100 verses in the Old Testament that were quoted in the New. People say, I just read the New Testament. And I'm like, well, you know, the New Testament's the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament's the New Testament revealed. The things that were written aforetime were given for us that we, through patience and hope of the Scripture, through the Scriptures, we might have hope, uh, Romans 4, 15, 4. So we need to have both, a full canon of Scripture. But here's what it says in Joel chapter 2, verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, Call the sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babies, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests, the leaders who minister to the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Do you see a correlation between Ezekiel chapter 9 and crying out in the house of God for the abominations that were done in Jerusalem? Here let the priest who minister to the Lord weep and between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare the people. O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? So here in the Old Testament in Joel, we see a counterpart to Ezekiel 9. The key to receiving the mark of the Lord is crying out to the Lord. A little commentary on this. Weeping between the porch and the altar is a call for leaders to assemble God's people for a time of prayer, of fasting and consecration. The porch represents the outer courts or the flesh, the outer court of worship, whereas the altar represents the spirit, the most holy place of worship. The space in between the porch and the altar is our soul, the purging of anything that is not God within us. God is calling us really into a time to weep between the porch and the altar until the spirit of the Lord is poured out from within us where he lives, enabling us to stand through challenging times. Are you marked? You qualify if you want. And let me just share this. People say to me, David, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? I'm afraid I might take the mark. Will I have strength against the mark? If you don't have the mark of the Lord in you, I would question whether or not you would have strength not to take the mark of the beast. Amen or out. Hallelujah, heretic. We're going to preach it anyway. Amen. But you can get marked of the Lord, filled with the fire of God. 
So here's what happened back to my foot, real quick sidetrack. So what happened was I got up and so I contended for about an hour and a half. And I called some, you know, people with faith. And one of them was going through airport security and oh, I don't have time right now, you know, checking through, I'll call you later. Thinking I'm in crisis, you know. So that guy went to eternal, you know, voicemail. But <laughs> right or wrong, I did it. So um, long story short, it was about an hour and a half of contending. And remember, the pain was really like at a level eight or nine. And when I stomped on it, instead of the anointing coming stronger, you know, the pain shot through my head like fire water. And, uh, but eventually, after contending, about an hour and a half, all of a sudden, I felt the presence of God come in on my foot. And my foot literally went like this. And it straightened out. And I saw the bones go down. And the swelling started to shrink. And the pain went from an 8-9 to a 2 or 3. And I started laughing. And Corin said to me, what's so funny? I said, the glory just came. She said, I just saw. I said, please, you know, thank you for contending with me. You know, we're good. I want to rest. You know, it's like, at this point, it's 6 in the morning, hour and a half. So I rested, and I knew we had the healing service that night. I just didn't want to go into a healing service with a cast. It just wasn't cool. And so he said, I did sign. So what happened was I started laughing. I said, okay, you know, the enemy tripped me up, and uh, literally. And, and so I knew we were going to have a powerful service that night. And so what happened is what I didn't know is I would meet my wife that night in the service. <laughs> what I didn't know is the enemy... See, the level of attack against you is often commensurate with the breakthrough you're about to receive. And right before you get your miracle, you'll often have to face a giant. And after you get your miracle, sometimes you'll have to face a Red Sea. And the enemy will come after you try to get his stuff back. So before the miracle, you have to face a giant. After the miracle often comes an attack. So you have to stand firm through knowing not just the acts of God, like the children of Israel saw the signs and the wonders, water from the rock, manna from the sky, quail provided, but also the ways of God like Moses knows. So if you know God's acts, that's a good thing. You go to a service, you see the power of God, you hear answered prayer, you know how to you know, connect with people to pray for God to do stuff, that's great. But when you know God's ways, his acts will flow through you. And God wants to raise up children to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. He wants to move us from apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry into a higher level of sonship where any gift can operate through you at any time because the Son of God is the one operating through you in that moment. People ask me, David, you know, what are you? Are you a pastor? Are you an evangelist? You're, I'm like, well, I've got a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree. I'm licensed to marry and bury, but I'm just a son of God. And they're like, well, son of God, what is that? I go, well, you know, whatever the Father says, I do. John 5, 19, the son does nothing of himself, only that which he sees the Father do, the things that the Father does, the son does likewise. And I think we really need to come to a place of sonship or daughtership to where whatever he tells you to do in that moment, you just go do it. It's like the Nike commercial says, just do it. Like Mary said to Jesus, you know, hey, they have no wine. Jesus is like, what's this have to do with me, woman? John chapter 2. She pushed him into miracles outside of his time. 
And she says, well, you know, I can just see her saying, well, they weren't out of wine until your disciples got here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't say that specifically, but it's kind of, you know, inferred, you know. And so he's like, I mean, and she says, hey, whatever my son, whatever Jesus says to you to do, do it. The key to the miraculous is two things. One, hearing what God is saying, and two, doing it. If he tells you to put a poultice of figs on it, do it, you'll be healed. If he tells you to dip seven times in the river, do it, you'll be healed. If he tells you to give a certain amount, do it, and God will refill your coffers. If he tells you to call somebody and to, 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 to share with them you know, something that God gave you, God will bless whatever he tells you to do. But if you take what God told you to do yesterday and try to make a ministry out of it, the manna fresh off the press becomes day-old donuts tomorrow. You need a fresh word every time. And so it's about hearing and doing whatever he says because he blesses his plans and he always confirms his word with signs and wonders. He doesn't confirm your word or my word. There was a, a minister who was in fear and trepidation. The Lord had spoken to him for people in the congregation that needed healing in their eyes to literally take their glasses off and as an act of faith to stomp on the glasses and as they would step on their, their glasses. You know, people spend four or $500 on glasses. So they're stomping on their glasses. So he's like, man, this is a, a very dangerous word. And in fear and trepidation, he says, listen, I just got this word. Never had this type of thing before. I know God heals, but he's giving a corporate word that anybody, and I'm not telling anybody to do that right now. Just clarify, you keep your glasses on. I don't have a prophetic word about that right now. God spoke to you, then do it, you know, but I'm not telling you to do it. So what happened was, a person jumped on their glasses. They had that faith rise up off that prophetic word. And as they stomped on their glasses, their eyes instantly went to 2020. So then another person did it, and another person, and they had three people that were instantly healed. They had 2020 vision. And so all of a sudden, anybody with any glasses, they were stomping on their everybody got healed. So two weeks later, he's in another service in another part of Texas, actually, where this had occurred. And so he tells the testimony of what God did. And so, that was a word for the congregation 200 miles away. That's what God was doing. It was manna hot off the press. But based upon what God did, he made it a formula. And 120 people broke their glasses. None of them got healed. The only person that made money that week was the optometrist, who then sent an offering to the minister who was never invited back. So you have to have a now word. It's got to be God-breathed. So what God says, we can draw from it. But unless God is speaking it afresh, need to be careful on how you execute it. Okay, Revelation chapter 7. Is this good? Is this helpful at all? Is it kind of fun? Okay, so I got healed that night, went into the service, had a spark with what would become my wife. And when I had a spark, when I met her, she had a spark. And I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou hast not in mind the things of God, but of men. I've got a miracle service to preach. And, you know, on this foot that's now healing. And anyway, I, you know, opened the iPad, preached a little bit. And I'd been in this church two other times and God showed up and it was amazing what God did. And I actually went into California from Kansas City for that service where it was 12 below zero. Wow. And it was 82 in San Diego and me being a little, uh, you know, jovial, uh, was sending out, you know, meme pictures between 12 below, 82, bearing my cross for Jesus in San Diego, please pray for me in Kansas City. You know, with some friends of mine and we're, you know, but, the Holy Spirit kept prompting me, spend time in prayer, spend time in prayer, spend time in prayer, because an attack was coming. But I was cavalier, so I opened the door. I could have avoided that. So when you've had great success, 
in an arena twice and people are there with an atmosphere and a heart of expectation this the atmosphere of expectation is a breeding ground for miracles when you're in that atmosphere of expectation it's easy to see god do it because it, it's their faith level that will pull heaven through you in those moments but see i didn't properly prepare i didn't get prayed up i wasn't covered i wasn't weeping between the porch and the altar for the abominations that were done in the city where I was going into. And that opened the door and I lost my protection and I got tripped up by the devil. I missed the mark and I wasn't properly marked for protection. Anyway, I preached, was dead as a doornail. And I finally just said, well, God is not in the iPad. Let's find out where he's at. So we just started to worship and I called my wife up, who wasn't my wife at the time, and I said, would you please come up and would you sing a song? I didn't know she sang in Hebrew. She broke out in fluent Hebrew. She translated into English and the glory of God came in like a tsunami. I had another spark. <laughs> and what happened was the pastor's daughter fell out under the power, got delivered from a spirit of rejection. The next thing I know, it was on like Donkey Kong. It was crazy. People were getting creative miracles. People with bone on bone, you know, on their shoulders, instantly just healed in the name of just, just recreative. Deaf ears were popping open. It was just an amazing time. And uh, so after the miracle comes the attack, but if you pray through, you'll also then be able to get even with the enemy, plunder hell and populate heaven. Otherwise you show up in a cast. So don't give up, continue to persevere, even if it's painful, go after the promises of God. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Okay, we have to live these verses. We have to get them from here, ask the Lord to drop them into our heart, and then let them rise up, let him bring all things into remembrance that he's spoken to us, that we might be overcomers, overcomers. He's coming back for a church without spot, blemish or wrinkle church right now may have some spots may have some blemishes may have a few wrinkles and i'm not talking about the ones that you know you rub out with cream right <laughs> and so the spots come from you know things that we've done wrong and we can get those through the washing of the water of the word the blemishes with the blood of jesus through repentance and the wrinkles only come out with the pressing of heat through trials and tribulations as God takes us from grace to grace and glory to glory. Revelation chapter seven, verse three, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Revelation seven, three, hurt not the earth, speaking to the angels, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. Isn't it wonderful that God already has a plan to protect you? and to seal you for protection. And right before tribulation comes, see, here's the thing. Tribulation will go through, but we'll never go through tr great tribulation. Tribulation is from the enemy. Great tribulation is from the Lord. God's not stored up his children for wrath. So there's a difference between tribulation from the enemy versus great tribulation, which is from God. Do you know that the number six, remember from Ezekiel and then the six men with the slaughtering weapons in their hand? God's number six is the number of man. Number of one is God, the number of two is witness, the number of three is the Trinity, number four is the number of the earth, east, west, north, and south, the number five is the number of grace, David had five smooth stones, 
the number six is the number of man, the number of seven is the number of completion, the number of eight is the number of new beginnings, seven days in a week. You can watch this video over and over again. Listen to it. <laughs> number eight is the number of new beginnings. The number of nine is gifts and fruit. The number of 10 is ungodly government. The number of 12 is godly government. It goes on. The number 40 is testing. The number 70 is a generation. Anyway, so the number six we're focusing in on right now. Six is the number of man. God will often bring correction or repentance through man. You're sitting under teachers that are men or women and they will instruct you or teach you or he'll bring correction. You know, me, I was minding my own business with a stolen Cessna Citation 2 jet, a bag of cash, a Mercedes Benz, and God brought correction to me through men, through the, the customs service and FBI, BEA, whatever you want to call them. And they flew in on trains, planes, and automobiles, screwed Uzis into my ear, took my stolen jet, my Mercedes Benz, my bag of cash. I didn't pass go. I didn't collect $200. I went to jail, directly to jail, spent the next six, 19 years, six months, a week and a day in federal prison where God answered my mother's prayers through the long arm of the law to give me a lengthy timeout where I didn't get a microwave miracle, but the crock pot where God got the flavor through and through, so God will get our attention and deal with us through the number of man. Now, when he delivers us into that attention-grabbing moment, we have an opportunity where he'll deal with us through his 66 books of the Bible. So the number of man is six. The number of the Bible, 66 books, is the number of God dealing with us through the 66 books of the Bible, right? And then if we don't respond, he'll deal with us through the Antichrist, 666. Who would you rather be taught by? Man, the Word of God, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh through the 66 books of the Bible, or you want to just hang out for the Antichrist to whip you around. I'd rather be marked and protected and be a son or a daughter of God that knows his ways, hearing his voice and releasing his glory in the earth. Revelation chapter 9, verse 3 and 4. Then out of the smoke of the locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power. The locusts were given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Wouldn't you like to walk through like the Israelites did, where the Egyptians had darkness, but they had light, where the Egyptians, all their water turned to blood, but the Jews, they were able to drink water, where the locusts came in, but they didn't affect the, the Jews. Don't you want to be on God's side? Now, it's interesting. You see, Joseph was on God's side, but he was under Pharaoh. The Israelites were on God's side, but they were under Pharaoh. You know, you can be under a not-so-godly government or rule or reign or somebody who's at your place of work where you get your paycheck. You may not even like them, but God uses them as the number six, the dealing of man to help develop character in you. And you'll learn how to navigate those situations, submitting to authority and doing all your work as unto the Lord, not with eye services, men pleasers, only when you're being seen, but unto the Lord, and then God will promote you. And how do you know? You'll go through tests, but the good news, it's an open book test. All you have to do is open up the 66 books of the Bible, and he'll give you the answers. Answer key, choose life. Okay, Revelation 14, 9, 
and 12. And we're going to wind down here and we're going to pray. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, dealing with our thought life and our works, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury. You don't want to take the mark of the beast. It's just not a good thing. But you do want to take the mark of the Lord and sigh and cry for the abominations that are done in your city. When you go through the drug district, you're like, oh, those people, I wish they wouldn't stand on the corner and ask for money. Somebody needs to clean them up. God wants to clean them up with the blood of Jesus. Are you willing to get out and be a shepherd that's willing to get close enough to some of the sheep to risk smelling like them? Amen around? <laughs> Awful. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Okay, so... And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. Revelation chapter 14, verse 11. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Revelation 13, 13, verse 18. And he performed great miraculous signs, talking about the false prophet. Even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. There's going to be some signs and wonders by false prophets in the end days that are going to deceive many. But are you following signs and wonders? Are you following Jesus? Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. We've got some artificial intelligence technology that's coming out right now that's absolutely amazing. But I can imagine it could be misused. Deep fakes, artificial intelligence technology, and we won't even get off into some of the other biological stuff that's going on. But don't be deceived. How do you not get deceived? By knowing the Lord. You know how they teach you how to spot counterfeit money in the bank as a bank teller? They put you in a bank for two weeks in a room counting real money. You get comfortable with real money. I was in the drug trafficking business. I was very comfortable counting money. But occasionally I'd come across something and I'd be like, that one doesn't feel right. Because I counted so much real money, I could come across one and be like, that doesn't feel right. I didn't want to get caught with counterfeit money, so I discarded it. Because I was a drug dealer. I wasn't a paper hanger. Didn't want to get hit for a crime I wasn't committing. I was a smart sinner. Matter of fact, my best thinking got me 20 years. That's how smart I was. We have a little humor. You can get my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. You can read the whole thing. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> Jetridebook.com. It's fun. Anyway, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead. Remember, your thought life, your system of thinking, your mammon-based thinking when it comes to money versus your kingdom-based thinking concerning money. See, the mammon-based thinking is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Kingdom-based thinking is give as the Lord leads, and he'll refill your coffers. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over, and shaken together shall man give back into your bosom. It's the law of the harvest. As long as the earth remains, Genesis 8, 22, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and winter. Seed time and harvest. We're in seed time and harvest. We're still in that because the earth remains. He also forced anyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead so that no one could buy or sell 
unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. Six, six. One of my famous, wonderful California hamburger chains. I got notification today that they were shut down because they weren't requiring identification for them to be able to buy or trade or get a hamburger. That's in America. Are you marked? Everybody can be. Or are you waiting to take a different mark? Revelation chapter 3, this is Jesus speaking. Meek and lowly Jesus. I know your works that you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot, so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Meek and lowly Jesus. Meek and lowly. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. You know what he said about Jezebel in Revelation chapter 2? He said, you tolerate that woman Jezebel in the church who calls herself a prophetess and leads and seduces my people to commit fornication and to eat those things that are sacrificed to idols. Meek and lowly Jesus. I will cast her on a bed of suffering and kill her children with the plagues. Revelation 2, 20 and 22. I'm going to read it. Jesus' words, not mine. Elemis the sorcerer confronted the apostles. You want to know what happened? He was struck blind, not being able to seek the light of day for a season. Meek and lowly. Saul on the road to Damascus. He'd just been out killing Christians. He killed Stephen, legally, by the way. And Stephen says, Lord, don't, do not charge him with this sin. Jesus said, Dad, come on, let me go down there on the road to Damascus and meet Saul on the road to Damascus next week. He's going to go kill some more Christians. Let me go meet him. So he showed up. He knocked him off his high horse, horse of pride, high horse of pride, blinded him by the light. And he said, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Saul ends up getting his sight back, getting filled with the Spirit, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. There's some people that have been in your life you think will never get saved. They're on the most the least likely to get saved list. God wants to save them. Jesus yeah. died for them too. Amen. Are you willing to pray for them that God will forgive them and encounter them? By the way, when Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus and knocked him to the ground and blinded him by, meek and lowly Jesus. He went in with a cat of nine, or cat of triple braided cord and whipped him in the temple because they were taking his house of prayer and turning it into merchandise and tricking people. Jesus is powerful Jesus. He's loving Jesus. He's meek and lowly, but he also has fire in his eyes. It's time for us to get marked, and we're closing. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 21. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you might see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And also I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is our 
representative, our role model, our savior. If Jesus did it, we may be called to do it. Which of you, seeking to be my disciple, does not first love less his mother and father and sister and brother, yes, even his own life, and is willing to pick up his cross daily and follow me? That's what he said in Luke chapter 14, 22 through 26. Very different gospel when you read it from the scriptures. It's not so seeker-friendly, but my God, when you seek him and you find him, he'll be your best friend, and he'll mark you. Let's close. Joshua 24, 14. Now the fear of the Lord. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose ye this day who you'll serve. There's some times coming, and they're already here. You're going to be asked to do some things. You can either bow down and worship the 90-foot idol of gold, or you might be forced to go through a type of a fiery furnace. You might face some giants, but with the anointing of the Lord and the faith of the Lord, on the inside you'll be able to overcome. And God will do amazing things if you'll press in with him because those that do wickedly against the covenant, Daniel 11.32, King James Version, he will corrupt with flattery. He's talking about the Antichrist. But those who do know their God will be strong and do exploits. If you want the exploits of the Lord, if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Are you marked? On your marks, get set, go. Let's pray. Lord, we hear you standing at the door and knocking of our hearts. We repent of any cold-heartedness, any lukewarmness. We see the scriptures a very different way today. We realize we're not afraid of the mark of the beast. We want the mark of the Lord. We need you to send your angel dressed in fine linen with the ink horn at his side to mark us. Show us where we're out of alignment so we can come into alignment, be empowered, and go fulfill our God-given assignments in the earth. Lord, we want to be those that do know our God and are strong and do exploits like Daniel 11.32 says in the King James Version. We want to be able to be those that release your glory in the earth See the captives set free, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead raised, the gospel preached unto the poor. Show us how to begin to see the multiplication, whether it's in finances or food or in souls being saved or relationships being restored. We ask that you would visit us in the wee hours of the night when deep sleep falls on men as we slumber in our beds, that you would then open our ears that we might hear your voice, seal our instructions. Turn us from wrongdoing, preserve our soul from going down to the pit, perishing by the sword. We pray that you would send your angels into our lives and that we would get downloads from heaven from you. We would write books and have witty ideas and new inventions that would birth things into the earth. You would show us how to press in 
and portals would open, heaven would come down, angels would ascend and descend, and we would see your creative miracles, that you would cause the enemy to fall before you, and you would become the god of the trump card and turn things around in a single day. I speak divine reversal. For those who have never received Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior, I invite you, behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, the doorknob is on the inside. And if you say, I'm ready to receive you, Lord, he'll come in and he'll cleanse you. He'll fill you. He'll heal you. I even see the Lord healing lungs right now from drug use and abuse of, of nicotine and some other things. I see him healing those lungs. As he comes in, he begins to restore the years that the canker worm and the locust and the palmer worm have eaten out of your life and He'll give you double for your trouble if you stay single-minded on him. So I release that healing balm at the directive of the Lord into your life, into the lungs. There's also kidneys being restored right now. You're seeing this on video or hearing it on audio under the sound of my voice. The Lord is visiting you and healing you. I also break off trauma off the neck and the back and the shoulders. There's been car accidents where people have had residual issues. Same way God healed my foot, no residual issue. God is healing you from broken bones and ribs and things that were tissues grown. And it's, it's been scar tissue. God's healing that and turning and dissolving that. I speak a timeline prayer where God will take you back right now. I freeze time, takes you back to that moment of the incident and Jesus, I thank you for stepping into the timeline and absorbing that hit for them as if it never happened. We declare the problem uncreated in the timeline by the miracle-working creative power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth came to destroy the works of the devil. And we thank you for now taking them by the hand in the timeline back to the present, the gift, and uncreating the trauma, uncreating the incident for the body now to come into alignment in Jesus' name. You begin to move your body around in those areas. And if I didn't call out your specific issue, God's willing to do whatever you ask him for. So just ask him for your inheritance right now that you might get it so that you might then go out and be able to carry his purposes, his plans, his passion, his goodness, his love, his glory, his gifts into the earth, his provision into the earth for others because it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom because you're a king's kid. You're a king's kid. You can just say that. I'm a king's kid. Say it again. Amen. One more time. I'm a king's kid. That's right. We now partake of the inheritance of the kingdom for your glory and that others might know you, Lord, in the power of your resurrection. Amen and amen. 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 I'm David Herbie in virtualchurchmedia.com. You can also catch us on Vimeo and SoundCloud. Also have a new virtual healing school, virtualhealingschool.com. It's subscription-based where we teach you how to heal the sick. So virtualhealingschool.com. Visit us if you want to make an online donation, virtualchurchmedia.com. We appreciate your partnership. The gospel is free, but it does take money to wage war on the devil. Anyway, God bless you. We'll see you next week.